Hi, everyone, and welcome to our podcast channel that now brings you insights on the clean energy transition. I'm Marty Stetzer, president of EKT Interactive in Houston, and I'll be your host today. And I'm speaking with Diane Cherry in Raleigh, North Carolina. She has extensive experience in policy and communications on environmental issues, energy markets, clean energy technology, and renewable energy finance. Diane and I met virtually through the Energy and Utilities Network. In January, she posted a blog describing new technology developments for long-duration energy storage. As many of you know, we built a digital training module on energy storage management. I thought it would be valuable for our listeners to get an update on this important topic. Diane, thanks so much for taking the time today. Thanks, Marty. I'm glad to be part of your broadcast. Diane is a policy and clean energy veteran. Can you tell us about your consulting firm? Give our listeners your resume. And more importantly, what got you interested in this specific topic? So I've worked in the energy and environmental space for about 25 years as a regulator in the state, as an advocate, and as a nonprofit clean energy leader. So I've had my own clean energy consulting firm for the past five years. I really work at the intersection of policy, regulation, communications, and business development. And my clients run the gamut of clean energy developers, renewable energy finance providers, giving capital to those developers, advocates, government, higher education, and the military. So I have a good perspective of the different people and how they show up in the clean energy ecosystem. And that also includes understanding the technologies and where they're at across different markets in the U.S., the price and value of those technologies. So that's how I've gotten interested in things like utility-scale solar, energy storage. Um, and so with, within that, obviously, long-duration energy storage has been a, a part of that understanding and the work that I've done. Diane, that experience will be perfect for our audiences. So let's get started. When we put our module together in 2020, the primary battery designed for storage to support intermittent wind and solar only had a maximum four hours of duration. What is the business case for longer duration options? Sure. So I'm going to define what long duration energy storage is. It's really defined by the U.S. Department of Energy as any system that can store energy for more than 10 hours. Why this is so important now is that as we have more and more renewables added to the grid, long-duration energy storage is needed because you have to dispatch during long stretches when the solar and wind are not producing energy. So a primary goal of long-duration energy storage is to assume and assure that renewable energy can be stored when it's generated and deployed to meet sustained energy demands later. So it supports the increased penetration of clean energy technologies. It gives grid operators flexibility to balance supply and demand, which they have to do every second of every day. It allows for grid resilience and also allows for costly transmission and distribution infrastructure upgrades to perhaps be deferred because one of the issues is um, projects in distributed energy production means that they're often far away from load centers, and that makes transmission issues critical in decarbonization. Historically, pump storage hydro has been the prevalent long-duration storage option 
that could provide 10 or more hours of backup. What is prompting the need for more options? So yes, um, pumped hydro storage is the only current long duration energy storage deployed at scale, and it will continue to dominate the market until 2030. But there's a few things that are changing now. First is there's been federal investment through something called ARPA-E. It's the investment and research arm of the Department of Energy. It's our national investment in technologies way before they're commercially available. And so DOE's investment in long-duration energy storage is critical. The other thing is that DOE has launched the long-duration energy storage shot in July 2021 to reduce the cost by 90% for systems that deliver 10 or more hours by 2030. So all of a sudden, we have this shot in the arm of investment. We have a lot of focus on developing and making sure the costs come down. So when you combine that with the fact that we now have a net carbon grid, we want to achieve a net carbon, a zero net carbon grid, a target the Biden administration set for 2050. We want to be able to displace and dispatch low carbon power when it's needed and accelerate the fossil fuel transition. So if you can remember, we've had coal retirement for going on for years, and there's been a lot of focus on putting natural gas in place of those. There's a lot of interest in that, especially in integrated resource plans from utilities. But if we can put long-duration energy storage in place of that, then we won't have them as stranded assets in the future. In addition to all of that, we have at the state level, you know, places like California, which are putting in you know, millions of dollars in incentives to demonstrate new long-duration energy storage. New York um, awarded projects for several pilots for long-duration energy storage. So in summary, it's it's kind of right now um, where you've got a lot of money and a lot of investment and a lot of interest in, as we decarbonize, making this a technology that can be used in place of peaker plants. With all that R&D and money being spent, can you tell our listeners what promising long-duration energy storage options are being considered? Sure. LDES is the industry acronym for long-duration energy storage. So LDES technologies can be divided into several different types. Electrochemical energy storage is one category. Thermal energy storage is another category. Flow batteries is a category. And mechanical energy storage is another category. So there's different commercial scale projects for each of these. So electrochemical is trying to find the sweet spot of lithium iron batteries for long duration energy storage. For those of you who are following reg, you know, shorter duration energy storage know that lithium ion batteries have dominated the market. But earlier this year, an eight hour duration lithium ion battery project became the first LDES project selected by a group of nonprofit energy suppliers in California. So again, it's not 10 hours, but it's pushing the four to six hours closer to eight. So that's a highlight of a project in the electrochemical space. Flow batteries are a subcategory of electrochemical energy storage that use a liquid electrolyte to function as a source of direct current that runs through an inverter for conversion to alternating current power. It does not degrade which is why there are fewer limitations on use cases. 
So what do I mean by use cases? Energy storage can serve as a way to have frequency regulation. It can serve as a proxy for intermittent power, as a peaker plant, but all of those uses have values in the market. The problem with flow batteries is that they don't have as many uses because the battery performance does not degrade. But while it has continual performance, it stands out compared to lithium ion, which exhibit greater performance degradation if they are cycled multiple times a day. Flow batteries are based on two different compounds, vanadium and zinc. So I know that's a lot of sort of granular detail, but it's important to consider LDES, the category you're talking about, and then whether or if they have pilot projects and where they're, you know, what market are they in, what state, for example, and who's financing that. What it illustrates is that there's many different avenues to pursue LDES. Diane, that was a great job on, on taking something that's so granular and making it easy listening. Now I have a two-part question. What programs around the world and in the U.S. are relevant? That's A. And B, is the U.S. ahead of or behind other countries in this technology? Sure. I'm going to start with the U.S. first. We are uh, at an epicenter now for long-duration energy storage and for several reasons. First, we had the passage of the Inflation Reduction Act, which allows energy project developers for the first time to benefit from a broad, bankable, and stable set of tax incentives. If you can remember, we were always at the point where we would get it and the Congress would be about to adjourn. And then they were like, well, let's extend the tax credits for another couple of years. And now with the tax credits for, for clean energy technologies extending out to 10 years, it brings long-term certainty and for once, we have battery storage as part of that standalone energy storage as part of that tax credit. So that gives a very good marker for the United States to say, we care about these technologies and we want to see them in the market and gives developers certainty, which is a huge factor when you're financing projects. The long duration energy storage ecosystem in general has been labs and research institutions. So back when I was talking about ARPA-E investment for the Department of Energy, that's the kind of funding that typically goes into national labs. And that funding often goes into research institutes around the country and universities. But we're still at a very early stage. So national labs are so important to the United States, but we lag behind China, South Korea, and Japan in research funding. So they have a much more industrial policy focus of the government will pay for and invest in early promising technologies. And it doesn't just have to be clean energy, but because of that, they tend to be higher or higher up the learning curve. So what's happened really is that the sector of long duration energy storage or LDES has struggled to go from promising ideas to promising businesses and funding has been a critical reason why. We're going to have that the case that technology developers developing these um, solutions are going to struggle to scale cost effectively anytime before 2030. So let's consider with that background of sort of how we approach things differently in the U.S. than, say, in Asia, what is the development for geographies of this market? For the Asia-Pacific region, vanadium redox flow batteries and compressed air energy storage has been accelerating rapidly in China 
and it's largely driven by policy support. The largest redox flow battery energy storage system is 100 megawatts connected to the grid in Dalian, China. European countries have been really a lot less enthusiastic to invest in long-duration energy storage, with the exception of the United Kingdom. One of the biggest LDES electrochemical hopes is a company that's named Form Energy, which is an, an, an alternative battery player. That company has raised $800 million for iron air batteries that can store 100 hours of energy at system costs that are competitive with conventional power plants. So there's been a lot of a lot of focuses um, on a specific company for a specific pilot, but we just don't see investment yet at a scale that's before 2030. So I'll just sort of stop there. Diane, still certainly sounds like there's a lot happening. So there where, is. where do you see LDES developments going in the future? I want to back up to um, a couple of companies that are making some inroads. One is Form Energy. I mentioned that they have a project in West Virginia, of all of all places. XL Energy, which is the um, investor and utility up there, they're developing a 10 megawatt multi-day energy storage system in Puebla, Colorado. Third Derivative has backed half a dozen flow battery startups. So. There are places in the United States where projects and companies are making inroads into LDES. But while there's no favorite LDES winner, so there's no one that has said, this is the one technology, the one way to go, it ultimately depends on the value propositions that put it in a different league than lithium-ion batteries. Because lithium-ion has had such a stronghold on the energy storage market any leading LDES technology has to demonstrate more than just a marginal benefit over at lithium-ion. So by targeting a niche application, any long-duration energy storage technology providers have to more easily able to demonstrate its distinct values to the market. And I think that's what's really hard. It's like everyone's been so focused on, on lithium-ion. It's got to be lithium-ion. It must be lithium-ion. But you have to have a, a huge benefit over that for there to be a winner other than that. Diane, in addition to Form Energy, are there other industry leaders in this field that our international listeners should start to follow? Yes. So um, I'm going to go back to Europe. One is in Italy. It's called Energy Dome. It's an Italian startup that's developed a new technology for large-scale and long-duration energy storage. They have a patented technology based on a thermodynamic process that uses carbon dioxide to preserve electricity at low cost and then has a better round-trip efficiency. I'm not a chemist, but they have gotten a lot of attention. High-view power storage, which is in the United Kingdom, has a liquid air energy storage solution that can deliver enough electricity to power over 200,000 homes for 12 hours and two weeks. So clearly we are seeing you know, examples in the United States, we have a startup called Antora Energy, which utilizes zero carbon heat and electricity to electrify heavy industry. Heavy industry is a huge issue for CO2 emissions and decarbonizing that sector of the economy is going to continue to be challenging. So I think, you know, it's, you can, you can focus all day on, you know, here's a pilot here, or here's an example here. I just think we're not 
we're not where the industry as a whole or sector as a whole for long duration energy can storage can say, this is the this is the way to go. This is the one technology because you have to look at the use cases for it. Um, you have to consider how much research funded it, whether there's enough pilots that have gone out of the lab into grid scale application. We're not there yet. So we're, we're it's an interesting time to have the conversation because it matters. But if we were having this conversation in five years, it would be a very different discussion. As an ME with a focus on heat transfer and thermo, I'm certainly going to check out the Energy Dome application that's in Italy. Thanks for mentioning it. And thanks so much for your insights. They'll surely be valuable to your audience and our own community of 8,500 EKT interactive followers. Are there other resources available on this topic that you can recommend? Sure. So um, my website, diancherryconsulting.com, has two or three blogs of fairly long length that really describes more about the different categories of long duration energy storage. It describes which category of long duration energy storage makes sense for which use case. And then within that framework, so if you imagine a um, matrix that has type of long duration energy storage on one column and then across the top horizontally, the use cases, you can actually look on my blog and it will have example projects and locations that provide far more granular detail than I've provided here. So I would encourage anyone to go on my website and find that find those couple of blogs. And anyone can also email me, diandcherry at gmail.com, and I will be happy to answer any more questions. Thanks again, Diane, and thanks to everyone for listening. Great. I'm very glad to have joined you today. Our company name, EKT Interactive, stands for Energy Knowledge Transfer. We digitally capture the extensive knowledge of clean energy industry experts like Diane. If you are a professional that is new to the oil, gas, power, or renewables industry and want to quickly learn how that industry works, check out our digital on-demand training series at www.ektinteractive.com.